Psalm 23. And as we get a fresh look at this psalm, we are reminded of how able, how powerful, how mighty, how attentive our shepherd is. The fresh look in this psalm encourages us that although David is doing all of the talking, and he's talking about the benefits of having a relationship with the shepherd, a fresh look says not to focus so much on the sheep, but to focus on the shepherd. All of the work that he does to bless us. So. And so we are recipients, yes, but we also worship and focus on the one who ministers to us so faithfully because he is able. So although David is writing one of the greatest pieces of literature this world has ever known, we don't want to miss the shepherd who is behind the scenes working feverishly to minister to the needs of his sheep. Because the Bible says in Psalm 100 that we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Therefore, let us enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And I hope this past week you were able to get some still time with the shepherd, that you were able to leave church and make a point of it on your calendar to be still before the Lord. Um, because he leads us, as we saw last week, beside still waters so that we can hear his still, small voice that is very, very powerful, very real, very poignant for what we need and what we're going through. Um, he speaks, and the challenge to all of us who are so busy and inundated with things to slow down and listen to the voice of our shepherd as he sings over us, as he ministers to us, as he directs us, as he leads us, and above all, as he just tells us that we are his own, that we are loved, and that we don't have to earn his favor. His favor is freely given, so we don't have to strain and stress and work to be saved. No, we work because we are saved, because Jesus, uh, the shepherd, became a sheep so that he could die for the sins of all sheep passage of scripture that led to my conversion in 1984 came from Isaiah chapter 53. Up until this time, I had never really understood the gospel and why Jesus was on the cross. I would just see pictures of a man on a cross, and I never knew why he was there. But in 1984, um, through the word of God, Isaiah chapter 53, I believe it's verse 6, where it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned our own way, but the Lord has laid on him, speaking of Jesus, all of our iniquity. So in the midst of my wanderings as a lost teenager, I heard the good news of how a shepherd gave his life for the sheep and how although I was out doing my thing, God demonstrated his love for me in that while I was still a sinner, Jesus, the good shepherd, laid down his life for me. And not only did he lay it down, he had the authority to say that uh, no one's going to take my life from me. Uh, I'm going to lay it down. And when I lay it down, I have authority to take it back up again. And so today I'm not trusting solely in a Savior who died for me. Today I am trusting in a Savior who died and who was raised from the dead for me and for my justification. 
So I am blessed, blessed, blessed. I'm so glad that as a sheep, he knows my name. And so as Brother Jeff said, our father knows his sheep. He knows our name. He knows every hair that is on our head. He knows everything that concerns us. And everything that we see that we're facing, he already saw. So there's not anything that you can come across that he doesn't know about and that he hasn't already allowed by his grace. And so he has written, Psalm 139 says, all of our days were written into his book before any of them came to be. So days we haven't even seen yet, he's already witnessed because this shepherd knows the end from the beginning. So we rest and we trust in a sovereign God who knows everything. He made us in his image, but in no way are we God. Satan tempts us to be like God, to try to be absolute, eternal, in control, but we are not. We are broken people who, thank God, we have a loving shepherd who cares for sheep. So, Lord, would you give us a fresh look today at Psalm 23. Let's begin reading in verse 1. The Bible reads, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can the church say amen? Amen. Let's get our focus today from verse 3, where David, who was once a shepherd before he became a king, who understands what it's like to work with sheep, understands what it's like to be a sheep, he says in verse 3, he restores my soul. So today, let's just deal with the simple subject matter of he restores me. He restores me. Let's pray. Father God, our worship leader began this worship service to you by saying that we want to be encouraged in your presence. Because, Lord, we live in a world where it can be discouraging things happening around us all the time. And because we're all so human and we're still strapped to this flesh that does not seek you out. The flesh is so worldly and other-centered against you that, Lord, we, we're dealing and we're battling the stuff that's on the outside, the stuff that's on the inside, and not to mention spiritual warfare that comes from the wolf himself. But we thank you, Lord, that when we come to you, that you are the God that in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are eternal pleasures for us we thank you that you have given us everything we need for life and for godliness. We thank you for what your son said to his disciples and even said to us through the Holy Scriptures that in this life you will have tribulation. But I'm so glad, Lord, he didn't stop there because Jesus said, but we can be of good cheer because you have overcome the world. 
So we thank you for a shepherd who not only knows the name of all of us, we are not forgotten. We know a shepherd. We have a relationship with a shepherd who gave his life to save each and every one of us. And we thank you that he is raised, he is alive, he lives inside of us, and we expect him to return any day now. And we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, because we're seeing that no man can save this situation that we're in. No political system, no nation, no wealthy person, no person can fix this thing. Lord, this is your creation. Creation even groaned saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But until that time, we will occupy until you come. Until that time, we will stand in your name and having done everything to stand. And we will use the authority that you've given us to bind and to loose on earth, knowing that you will back us up in heaven. And above all, Lord, would you save souls? Would you save people from hell? Would you deliver them and cause them to pass from darkness and into your marvelous light? And Lord, if there's someone here today who is not born again, someone here today who is not forgiven of their sins, they have not come to you, Lord, may today be the day of salvation. And so, Lord, bless those under the hearing of your word. We give you praise in advance, for we are your people, the sheep of your pasture, and we say, amen. Amen. I want to take you back down memory lane for a second. And I want to ask if you can complete this sentence. Help me. I've fallen and I can't. Mm-hmm. You've seen this commercial. Put, put, put it back up one more time because we need to see the old ladies as they're in this position, and if I were a photographer on the scene that day, I, I can see how the staff and the crew would gingerly help these women down into those positions to take the picture to make it look like they fell down. And then they're on those commercials, and they have the medic alert around their neck, and, and they're saying, help me, help me. And then someone on the other end with a headset in says, don't worry about it, help is on the way. And so they encourage elderly saints to get some extra help because you never know when you might fall down. And we know that as we get older, that falls can be catastrophic for our older men and women because our bones, their bones are a lot more brittle. And so when they fall, it can be major. It can be very, very disheartening. But what we need to realize is that no matter what age you are, whether you are a child or you are an elderly person, falling down is a part of life. Falling down, whether that be in the natural realm. Uh, my wife fell up the stairs yesterday. <laughs> now, we know you can fall down some stairs, but I was sitting in the bed trying to get a word from the Lord. And I heard something go, boom, boom, boom. I said, that sounds like somebody fell. But my faith is so strong that I did not get up. Because if I didn't hear a scream, then, you know. But she and I have this thing where if we fall in front of one another, we turn to the other and say, how was my fall? And, and what we do is we laugh at each other once we make sure the other is okay. Once I know you're okay or you know I'm okay, then we start laughing. But you can fall. Life is all about falling. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16 said, baby, you all right? You skinned up them pretty legs. Brothers, don't look at her legs. Uh, Proverbs 24, 16. 
for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. You see, falling down is one thing. Staying down is something totally different. Now, falling down is bad, but we fall down so that we can get back up. Because even as a baby is learning how to walk, each parent knows that that child is going to stumble and fall in the process of learning how to walk. A parent, if that parent wants the child to develop, they have to let that child fall down as that child is walking. And God knows that we're going to fall down as we walk with him. He knows that we're not going to be able to grow if we don't fall down. Now, I said fall down, not fall away. That, that's something totally different. There will be a falling away. That's not what I'm talking about in the latter day, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Falling down is different from falling away. God's children, we fall down. That's why I thank God for Donnie McClurklin, because he likes to sing that song, we fall down. But we what? get up. We fall down, but we get up. And the reason why we get up as Christians is because the spirit of the living God, the spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead is alive in us. So therefore, although we may fall down, we can't stay down. We've got to get up because of the power of God that we just sing about that works exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. It's working in us. And so when you've got that kind of dunamis, that kind of power in you, you can't stay down. Yes, you get down. Yes, we get knocked down, but we can't stay down. And so when we were quoting 2 Corinthians chapter 4 about how we're being persecuted but not forsaken, and cast down but not destroyed. We go through these kinds of things because death is working in us, but also life is working in us. So we, yes, we fall, but we don't stay down. We get up. And the writer of Proverbs says, just man or righteous man is going to fall seven times and then get back up again. Now, why the number seven? Because the Bible makes no mistakes. It could have said that a righteous person is going to fall 23 times. Uh, it doesn't say that, it says seven. Well, as we look at the Bible and we know that numbers can many times have symbolic meaning, seven speaks of completion, that God created the earth in the seven-day span. And so seven speaks of completion or maturation. So even in our falling, God is saying, I'm going to mature you, I'm going to complete you, I'm going to make you persevere and develop patience, because even when you fall, my grace superabounds over the fall, there is even goodness coming through your failure, because although you fall, you are not a failure, I'm going to raise you up and I'm going to make you more like me, I'm going to make you more like Christ, you will become whole, you will become complete, even mature when you fall down. That's called grace. Because the world would say, if you fall down, you need to stay in the gutter. But we serve a God who knows how to raise you up from the guttermost to the uttermost, from the outhouse to the white house. Uh, he knows how to raise up his people. Because if Adam and Eve could fall, so can we and so have we. If Abraham and Sarah could trip and fall and stumble, so can we and so have we. 
If Moses could fall, so can we and so have we. If David could fall, a man after God's own heart, the writer of this psalm under the inspiration of the Spirit, if he could fall through his anger and by murdering people in cold blood and taking someone else's wife, if he could fall, so can we and so have we. If Peter could fall and he walked with Jesus in the flesh along with all of the other apostles, if they could fall, so can we. And not only that, if angels who are in the presence of the Lord could fall, so can we and so have we. And they fell from pride. They fell from deception. Think of the greatest spiritual warrior, man or woman that you know. That person did not reach that place of spiritual growth and vitality without having some falls along the way. Because God makes us whole. He matures us even as we fall because of the power of his grace. But there are some people who happen to say, well, they might fall, but not me. Well, we've got 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 for you. And it says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Soon as you think you got it going on, You've fallen from pride and you don't have it going on. So we need to be humble people because any of us can fall at any time into anything. I said any of us can fall at any time into anything. We can fall into financial despair. We can fall into depression. We can fall into having a melancholy spirit. We can fall morally. We can fall in so many ways. So we need to be mindful of our humanity. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, There is not a man on the face of the earth who does good and does not sin. That ought to humble some of us and say, Man, I'm not all of that. You know, my stuff does stink. Uh, you know, hey, 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 Jesus, I need your grace. You see, David, the writer of Psalm 23, also wrote Psalm 51, verse 12, where David said after an escapade with Bathsheba and killing her husband, the spirit of the Lord broke him when Nathan the prophet came to him almost two years later to confront him about his sin. David repented, and out of that fresh repentance came this psalm. And in that psalm, David said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. I fell, but restore to me the joy of your salvation because when I was living in sin, I had no joy. Psalm 32, when David wrote, he said, when I didn't confess my sin, my bones, they groaned within me. He was living under the persecution or rather the conviction of God, and he did not yield to the conviction of God, and he sat on the sin for nearly two years, and he was miserable. He had no joy in his salvation. And so when he repented, he said, oh God, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. You see, the word restore in the Hebrew language is pronounced shub, and it means to turn back. So to restore, what we see in Psalm 23, verse 3, it means to turn back. It means to turn my soul back from wandering, to turn back, restore me. Turn, it's close to a redemption, which means to buy back. But restore means to turn back. So turn back my soul from wandering. 
because sheep have a tendency of wandering away from a good pasture, thinking that the grass is greener on the other side. But the only reason why that grass is greener on the other side from where the shepherd has you is because that grass over there is fake. It's artificial turf. You can't get no nutrients out of that. Stay with your shepherd. He know where you need to be. And so turn me back from wandering, from discouragement. Turn my soul back from disobedience, oh God. Shub also means to lift my soul back up because when I'm doing my own thing, my soul is down. When I'm living as a sheep like the world revolves around me as a sheep and not around the shepherd, my soul gets discouraged because I was not built to worship me. I was created to worship God. So if I miss the purpose of being created and born again, which is to bring glory to God, but I'm so focused on bringing glory to myself, I'm discouraged because there's no glory in my flesh or in myself. I was created to glorify God and not myself. So Lord, lift my soul back up because it got down. Lord, make my soul upright again because everything starts in your soul. Because if God can touch your soul, it really doesn't matter what's going on with your body because a merry heart can do good like a medicine, but a broken spirit is going to dry the bones. That's why whether God heals people in this life or he chooses to heal them in the next, next life, when people's souls have been touched, the sickness does not have more authority than the joy that God gives than the power and the peace that God gives. But yes, we pray, Lord, heal, change my situation, provide that job. Lord, 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 do this in my relationships. Lord, change it. But first, God is like, I want to touch your soul because your soul is down. First Peter 2.25, Peter said, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned or been restored to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Lord, return us. Get us back on our feet because in the context of Psalm 23, sheep need to be restored. That is, sheep need to be placed on their feet again because they are known for lying helplessly on their backs. Sheep are known for lying inverted on their back. They're not supposed to be on their back. They're supposed to be on their feet. But sometimes they spend a lot of time lying helplessly on their backs. So how do sheep get on their backs. How do they get like this? Well, we know that they can lie down in the green pastures or beside the still waters, and they have enough energy to get back up again. But sometimes after a good meal, after munching on that grass and getting some, some fresh water, sheep have a tendency of laying on its side. Now, has anybody ever been there when the itis kicks in? This is, uh, you know, we got a suburban, urban church. Ask your neighbor what itis is. They'll tell you. When you get that good meal and you just want to go to sleep. Well, the sheep will lay on their side to rest and even go to sleep. But then the center of gravity within them, because their belly is so full, can shift. And next thing you know, they go from being on their side to being on their back. And when they get on their backs, they're in an impossible predicament because they were not designed to turn themselves over. And so when, when they start see, feeling themselves rolling, they start moving their legs, but their legs are short. So the more they move their legs to save themselves, the more they keep turning on their backs. So it works against them. The more they strain and strive to save themselves, the more they hurt themselves and they find themselves on their backs. 
again, that's a pretty ridiculous looking sight when you see a sheep with all fours up in the air. But the shepherd understands that this happens on a regular basis when sheep roll over like that. And when they roll over like that, they're in a bad predicament because they are easier prey for the coyotes, for the wild dogs, for the wolves. That They're easier prey. They're already easy prey because a sheep can't fight back. It can only run. And it ain't that fast when it runs, especially if it hasn't been sheared and it's full of wool. That's why it's got to have a shepherd protecting it and maybe a shepherd dog. Oh, my God. So a sheep, whoa, they need help. And not only is it open to predators like that on his back, Wiley Coyote, I see him coming out from over, you know, chasing Roadrunner all the time. Sometimes he said, I can't catch Roadrunner. He's too fast. Let me go after one of these sheep. Oh, it's already laying on his back. That's easy. But not only that, a sheep can die from the inside, not just from a predator, because sheep have like special stomachs. They have this thing, doctor, called a rumen inside of it. And the rumen is the place where it breaks down the grass that it eats. And it breaks it down. It's like what a cow has where it chews the cud. They, they put it down and it goes into this sack called the rumen. And the rumen tosses it around and then they send it back up. And then they put it back down and they send it back down to the rumen. But if you lay too long on your back, the gases in the rumen would begin to spread through the body and even begin to cripple and eventually kill the sheep. So when the sheep is on its back, it can't stay on its back long because the longer it stays on its back, the more prone it is to death, whether by predators or from the inside from its rumen and the gases working through the body. So that's why you've got to have a shepherd when you fall down because you can't turn yourself and make yourself right you need somebody to come and help you get right. And so the shepherd has to find the sheep. So the shepherd is back counting the sheep. They have to pass under the rod, and he or she is counting the sheep and calling them by name. Then all of a sudden, they recognize that Lucy ain't here. Where, where is Lucy? Anybody seen Lucy? And they're like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> so because the shepherd knows Lucy's tendencies, Lucy tends to fall over every other day which happens with sheep. So I just uh, helped restore her on Monday. It's Wednesday. She's missing. I know she's somewhere lying on her back. So let me leave the 99 with the hireling, uh, watch over them. I'm going to go find Lucy because she done tripped up somewhere again. There she is hanging out. So he goes and he sees Lucy over there in the valley, just all fours up. And when he goes to Lucy, he tenderly begins to put her upright. But because she's been laying on her back so long, she's lost circulation in her limbs. So she can't stand up immediately. So a good shepherd, a tender shepherd, will pick the sheep up, turn it around, and place it between its legs, straddling it, allowing it to gain its center of gravity again to get the, the strength back. And then the shepherd will even begin to bend over and massage the legs of the sheep so that the blood can start working through its little limbs again. And he'll stay there and he'll talk to it the whole time. Now, Lucy, why'd you go out there again? Lucy, what happened this time? Lucy, you know I love you. You got to stay with the flock. Come on, Lucy. As he's working on Lucy. Because sheep have this tendency of rolling on their backs. So much so that there is a name for it, and it is called being cast. So when sheep are on their back, it's called cast. So these are pictures of cast sheep. 
So you see some older ones in the little baby right here in the corner. I had to put him or her up there too. So they're cast. And, and if they're pregnant or with lamb while they're cast, not only is their life in jeopardy, but also the lives of the ewe that they're carrying in jeopardy. So there needs to be help, help on the double. So cast, cast, cast. So David the shepherd now writes in Psalm 42 verse 5, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Wait a minute. You're the king of Israel. What do you mean you get down? Because it's not about having a bunch of stuff. It's about having a relationship with God. It's not about people coming and bowing before you. It's about you bowing before God. And David, a man after God's own heart, because he was human, he was also susceptible to the flesh and to the world. And he would get off track just like we get off track. And the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes that God puts eternity in the hearts of men. And only an eternal God can fill it. I don't care how much you try to fill it with stuff and with partying and with fun, you will still be empty. And so David, just like his son would do, would depart from the fountain of living waters, Jehovah, and turn to other things and other people and keep coming up empty. He would turn to conquests and counting the people to try to find his purpose and his identity and his fulfillment in life. But every time he would come up empty or his enemies would be coming against him with hurricane force and he would feel empty and he would need to be restored in his soul. And so the king would say in that psalm, why so downcast? Because sometimes you got to talk to your soul. Not only do you tell your soul to bless the Lord, and we're getting there in a minute, but sometimes you got to have a talk with yourself and say, why are you down right now? And you got to begin to talk to yourself, and as you talk to yourself, you don't stay in yourself because that's part of the problem, focusing on yourself. You've got to then go back to that psalm again. Go back to that psalm, verse 5. Go back to verse 5. you got to say, I, I, I need to put my hope in God. I've been putting my hope in other stuff and I've been looking. I got to hope in God. I got to look upward for I shall yet praise him because I've been complaining and fussing and cussing and crying and moaning and murmuring. I, I need to get some praise on my lips for the help of his countenance. And so the next verse says, oh my God, my soul is cast down with him. Wait a minute, bro. I thought you just got straight in verse five. Well, sheep have a tendency that once we become uncast, we cast ourselves again. The Lord raises us up. We fall back down. He raises up. We fall back down. So the next verse, he repeats the same thing. And this time he says, but this time I'm going to remember you from the land of the Jordan, the promised land, and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Mazar. Next verse. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God. So three times in one psalm, he keeps asking God to turn him upright, to restore his soul because his soul had been cast down. And so we get up and then we get down. We get up and we get down. We're not always up and we shouldn't always be down. And if you're doing this life for Jesus, you're going to take some blows, which is why in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says that those of us who are alive are always being handed over to death for Jesus' sake and even for your sake because death is working in me. I'm down again, but life is working in you. And that's why he says, I'm going to declare and speak by faith that there will be a resurrection. He will raise me up again, but then I'm going to get hit again and I'm going to fall down. There's nothing wrong with you. You're human. You're in process, but you've got a God that no matter how many times you fall down, he ain't going to get tired and say, you fell again. <laughs> 
Your emotions are down again. Your finances are down again. He won't scold you. He'll hold you. He'll come to you and say, come on, I got you. And so the, David said, uh, yes, my soul has been downcast three times. But then he carries it on into the next psalm. Look at the next psalm. Psalm 43. <laughs> Why are you cast out? He's an artist. He, 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 so, so as artists, many times artists are so emotional. Sometimes, you know, artists, man, will be, and that's what makes them great. But they can also become susceptible and their emotions can drive them. And David says, uh, why are you downcast on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. The shepherd is patient with us because we fall over and over again. And he comes and restores us over and over again. So the restoring of your soul is the constant resurrecting of your soul. So restore my soul means resurrect my soul. Take me back or put me back upright. Put me back on my feet again. Because when I can get on my feet in my soul, oh my, oh my, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. But if I'm inverted and I'm down and I'm struggling, yes, we get there, but we don't have to stay there because the shepherd is coming to bring a resurrection. Listen to what David said in Psalm 16, verses 10 and 11. He says, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol or in hell. There's somebody here today, you feel like your soul is in hell. I have good news for you because you won't allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the paths of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When David wrote this, he really didn't know what he was writing. Because when he was writing this about his situation, saying, Lord, I feel like I'm in hell, but you're not going to leave me in hell right now. You will restore my soul. You will encourage me one more time. I know you will. But the Bible says in the book of Acts that David was a prophet. And he was writing about what would happen with a descendant who would come from him named Jesus Christ. Who in the natural, when Jesus would come. This scripture was used to say that when he died on Friday, his body wouldn't stay in the grave long enough to suffer mortal decay. That he would get up on the third day because God would not abandon Christ. He would not leave Christ. Christ would get back up and see the fullness of light. Christ would have fullness of joy in the presence of the Father when he got up from the dead. And he says, I'm going back to my Father and your Father. And so this was a prophetic word about Jesus' death and resurrection, that God wasn't going to leave you. And if you're going through something right now, you feel like you're in a death. You're struggling, you're hurting, you don't know how it's going to work out. You just got a job, you just got laid off, you're having marital challenge. I don't know what it is. But you have a God who's not only working for you, he's working in you. And he doesn't want that circumstance to have authority over you. He allows it to show you that you can't fix it, but he allows it to show you that he can fix it. And he knows it's a process that he'll deliver you today. Give me this day what I need. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Lord, would you give me what I need? Would you resurrect me today? And that is a prayer in his will, and that is a prayer that he will provide. And that doesn't mean you're going to get up smiling all the time. But you do have the ability to smile. Because let me tell you what joy is. Joy, J-O-Y. J-O-Y. Joy is... Jesus over your fill in the blank. What's this blank? Is it my finances, my health, my relationships? What's in this blank? 
And I'm here to tell you, whatever that is, Jesus is over that. If it's your enemy, if it's the devil, whatever it is, Jesus is Lord over everything. And because he's Lord over everything, that makes me feel better. And when I start feeling better because my focus got right, then I can start smiling. But when I forget that he's over everything, then my problems, what's in that blank, starts having more authority than Jesus. But no, in his presence, there's the fullness of joy. Because when I'm in his presence, I get a fresh glimpse of the power, awesomeness, and beauty of my God. Then I turn around and my problems look minuscule because I've magnified the Lord in my presence. So I've got joy, which is not contingent or based solely on feeling. It's a focus that you have. It's a mindset that does lead to feelings and a smile, Wes Kirk Franklin. It can put a smile on your face. But unless you don't go through some stuff, happiness is different than joy. Happiness, everybody's happy when they got some money. And that'll wear off. But joy, unspeakable, oh my God. You learn that when the shepherd brings you into his presence and you realize his power and his specialness. So who's cast down today? Who needs the shepherd to find you and stand you up on your feet? Who needs a resurrection today? And if you may not need one today, put this away because you might need one tomorrow. You know what phone call you might get? What word you might hear? But while you're waiting on the shepherd to restore you, do what David did, hope in God, remember God, and praise God. Oh, I'm out of time. I wish I could break these down for you to hope in God, to remember God, to praise God. For David, restoration of the soul meant repeated resurrections of the soul. And last I checked, resurrection is his responsibility. It's not up to me to raise me. He'll raise me. But I look to him from my back helpless, but I'm not hopeless. He is my hope, hope in God, positive expectation for the future. I'm going to remember what he did before because what he's done before, he can do again and he can even do it greater than how he did it before. I'm going to praise him while I'm on my back because I know he's coming and he's worthy of praise whether I feel it or not. Because the longer I praise him, the more the atmosphere begins to shift and the more my attitude changes. Next thing you know, I'm in his presence because he inhabits the praises of his people and now his countenance has rubbed off on my countenance and people wonder why you're smiling when you're going through something. All I can do is tell you I've been praising him in spite. I haven't waited till everything got right. I praised him whether it gets right or not because he's worthy. That's why David says I shall yet praise him. David, like I don't feel good, but I'm going yet praise him. Some of us can only praise him when stuff is set up right. We're set praises, but God says, I want you to be a yet praiser. I can praise him when stuff is set, when I'm feeling good and I'm healthy, church is the way I want it, and this is going on at my job and my family. Oh, yeah, anybody can praise God like that, but can you praise him when stuff ain't going right? Can you yet praise him? Can you hallelujah anyhow? And God wants to know, can you worship me like that? Because when you can worship me like that, I will show up. My presence, my countenance will come upon you. You will have joy in spite of what's going on around you, which is why Job could say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job could say, the Lord gives the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He was doing good until his friends talked him down. I close with Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, the prophet said, yet. 
I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. He won't leave me like this. And if he does leave me like this, where I'm going is better than this. So, man, the sufferings of this present time, it's not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to me. He can turn it around, but first he wants to restore my soul, invert my soul, because when my soul is standing, my, my, my. So in conclusion, when you fall, not if you fall, but when you fall, whether it's morally, relationally, you got mad again, you blew up again, you messed up again. Well, when you fall, the good shepherd will be there to restore your soul and put you back on your feet again. Because the truth is you can't get better by lying on your back in misery, throwing a pity party, sending out invitations, then getting mad that don't nobody want to come. The Lord says, get up. He's raising you up. Get up. Because you can't get better just lying down, feeling bad, feeling blue. Get up. Praise him anyhow. Have hope in him. Remember him. Remember what he's done. Get up out of that thing. Last Sunday, I asked you to pray for Miss Maddie. Kit Perkins had let me know that she was a recipient of another liver. The first liver that they found for her was not a match. So she had to go back home and she had to wait for God to provide, Jehovah Jireh, to provide another liver. Well, a couple of weeks went by and she's at home waiting. Her times are in the hands of the Lord, not in the hands of man. She's at peace either way. But then they got a call saying, we have a match for you. Get here right now. Don't eat anything. Don't drink anything. Get on up. And so they got up. You know they got up. And they got to that Vanderbilt Hospital. And they started operating on her on, I want to say, Friday. And then they carried it over into Saturday. And the liver took with her body and so there was a good match and so uh, a couple of days went by and she was on the bed she was on the bed getting better getting better but then her cousin her sister Annie said you know you got to get up don't you I know they just opened you up and I, I know they just put that but, but, but you're not going to get well laying down alone because the sign that you're getting better is that you're sitting up now, now, before we can start standing up and start walking and running, first thing we got to do is just sit up. And for many of us, that's a victory. Nice. I'm going to sit up. So when my wife and I went and another brother from the church, we go in and we see her and we see first she was laying down the first day. Second day we went back, she's sitting up and her eyes are bright. We're having a good conversation. I'm like, man, we're having church up in there. So I told her, next time I come, I want to see you standing up. Then I want to see you running around this uh, hospital area, all this ICU stuff. I want to see you walking in the halls running, so you can be on your way. Because her sister kept saying, she's not going to get better laying down. She got to get up. Strong tower, I just want to let you know. Yeah, you've been knocked down. There's power in you to restore your soul. Get you back up. Get your mind back right. Get up in the name of Jesus. Carry your bed and walk. You can do it. He can do it through you. Amen. Ah, yeah. Let's continue to pray for Miss Maddie. I can't wait to see her back in church. Yeah, she'll be here. All right, all right. Let's see here. Brother Bob, would you come close us in prayer? Amen, amen. Did, did, did you get something?